Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. A little bit. Pace has been pretty good here. Jared Jack drives, tried to get it to Tanner, couldn't hold on. Here's Caldwell Pope. Porzingis in pursuit, and Ball throws it down. What a pass from Caldwell Pope. And Lonzo Ball with the finish, Lakers by two. And this lob from KCP, a highlight play as he hammers it home. And the game tied at 71. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where we are one mediocre Brandon Ingram game versus the Knicks away from the Lakers being 3-0 and on their East Coast road swing, thereby also allowing me to declare that the Lakers have been walking in a winner wonderland. Did you hear that, Tommy? A winner wonderland. Not winter. That's very but clever. Winter. winter wonderland. It is very clever, and it would have worked out so well, but unfortunately, I can't use that terrible pun in its full intended glory because the Lakers, (laughs) unfortunately, dropped a pretty rough one in Madison Square Garden last night to Porzingad. But you know what? It doesn't matter because the Lakers have shown enough promising strides in the last week that I think we can all be proud of their current trajectory of not only our individual young players, but also the overall team as a whole, as the clutch wins in Philly and then the convincing win in Charlotte showed a few days ago. The Lakers are currently 10-16. and 16. Like I said, they dropped a tough one to Porzingad last night and are gearing up to take on future Laker LeBron James tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you hear this. But first, Tommy, let me take you back to the Philly game and let's start here. What did you think about the Brandon Ingram game-winning three in Philadelphia last Thursday? Take me back to that moment for you. 
What was running through your head as the game was tied with 28 seconds left? Philly had the ball, and then they go down to Joel Embiid, and we're like, man, we just need this one stop, but can we do it? Joel Embiid is being guarded by Julius Randle. Randall holds his ground, forces Embiid into a tough shot. He bar- he doesn't even hit the rim. Someone bats the ball out to Lonzo, and here the Lakers come sprinting down, no timeout called. What was going through your head? Well, the, the first thing that was going through my head was I am now blanking on what the game before that was when, uh, not the right before, but one of the games before when the similar situation, they, there was like a loose ball with a limited amount of time, and Luke Walton called the timeout. And Golden State. there was a lot of like second guessing. Yeah, exactly. Golden State. There was a lot of second guessing and there was a lot of, uh, you know, replaying that a little bit of Monday, uh, Monday morning quarterback, uh, going on with that. And so the first thing I thought was, okay, there's no way they're going to call a timeout this time because of what happened last <laughs> time, which was exactly what happened. And Lonzo started pushing it down and I'm like, okay, I trust that Lonzo is going to make a good decision. I don't think necessarily that he is going to win us the game, but I trust that he'll make a good decision, whether that means stopping in transition and taking a jump shot or trying to take it to the rim if he sees a lane. I just trusted that he wouldn't dribble into a crowd and lose the ball in like a pile of people, which when you have a 20-year-old point guard, that's not like an unreasonable thing to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So... Lonzo pushed it down. Uh, oh, and actually, even before I get into that, I will say another clutch thing that goes unnoticed before this last sequence. Lonzo Ball is the reason we were in a position to win the game. Because on the previous Lakers possession, we came down, Lonzo launched like a 25-footer or something mm-hmm. from three, and he missed it. And it was pretty close, but he missed it. Um, and I remember Mark Jackson or somebody saying something to the effect of like, he hasn't taken a shot in over a quarter, and that's the best shot you can get. And that was not the point, though. The point was we were not stopping Embiid all night. And what we did not want to do was let Philly throw the ball to Embiid. Embiid holds it and then takes a shot with two seconds left to win right. the game. What we were, what, what the play call was, and actually this was my intuition at the time, my instinct at the time, and it turns out from some interviews I read later that that's what, or maybe it was some tweets that you sent me that that's what, what, this is what was the case. The play was to get the ball, and if they got the ball, uh, go down and go two for one really fast. And they ran down the floor, the two for one play didn't develop, so Lonzo launched up the three because he was open. Because he did that, it forced Embiid to make a move. You know, at that point, it's like you're giving the ball back anyway. So it's like he forced Embiid to make a move on the other end, like with a reasonable amount of time left to where the Lakers were going to get the ball. So anyway, sets up this crazy sequence. Um, When Lonzo kicked it out to B.I., I frankly thought there's no way this shot is going in. (laughs) Like, B.I., Shot the ball really well in the first half. He had like was not hitting anything in the second half. He had played like it felt like he played the entire game. I mean, I'm looking at the stats. He played 38 minutes, um, and I was like, uh, "There's no way he's going to hit this shot." And he just like stepped right into it, like let it fly comfortably, and it, it was just beautiful to watch that go through. It was the coolest, calmest, collected three-point buzzer-beater game winner I've ever seen. Like Ingram was just kind of like, "Yeah, I did that." <laughs> I, I will say though, yeah, that- because it started. I was just gonna say because the play started so frantically 
but like Lonzo eventually was able to get it to like, you know, control the pace like he always does. And then just like drive in there. It was just, it, it, it despite everything start, starting so frantically, it ended up being a simple drive and kick to win the game. You know right. what I mean? Like Lonzo took it out, got it out in the corner, didn't want the shot in the corner, tried to drive. The defense collapsed. He knew exactly how much time he had. Simple drive and kick, kicked it out and B, I hit the shot. Yeah, what a confidence booster for Brandon Ingram. What a confidence booster for the team. I think in the fourth quarter, Brandon Ingram had been struggling with his shot up until that point, but Brandon Ingram also did hit a pretty clutch mid-range jump shot at the top of the key to kind of set up his game winner earlier in the fourth quarter, I think within five minutes. So I thought that kind of may- maybe got his confidence going, but I was surprised that one, he had that shot the first time when Lonzo Ball passed it to him, and then when he passed it back to Lonzo Ball in the baseline, I was like, why didn't you shoot it that first time, you know? So I, too, was kind of wary at what was going to happen, and then Lonzo Ball drove it all the way. I thought Lonzo might take the baseline three, but he didn't, and for some reason, Philly collapsed. All three guys collapsed on him, and Ringham was just wide open. That was a mishap on their end, but hey, it worked out in our favor. It was super lit. Litcoin. Forget about Bitcoin. It's all about Litcoin here. Um, in Philadelphia, no less, in front of that crowd. Um, it was a great win by the Lakers. And here we are. You know, the Lakers are two and one on this road trip. If Brandon Ingram had played even just subpar last night against the Knicks, the Lakers would be three and zero. Yeah. But you know, the Lakers have looked really good exactly. in spite of that. Um, they beat a very solid team in the Sixers who are 14 and 13, seventh in the East. They just beat Jimmy Butler and the Wolves in Minnesota last night. So yeah, you know, the Lakers, after starting December off on a pretty rough patch, I think have really rebounded here and look like a more cohesive unit as a whole. So um, tonight's episode, we'll touch upon this last stretch a little more deeply and mainly talk about the continued strides and hot flashes we've seen from Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. And then we'll end our show by once again reviewing the Lakers' upcoming cap situation and whether the Lakers' stance on trading Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson should change a bit and what their options are. So make sure to stick around for that during the last 20 minutes of our show or so. Uh, but before we get to that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many lobs and outlet passes LeBron James will be throwing tomorrow night to Lonzo Ball because they are teammates and they both need to get in as much practice as they can. <laughs> so there you go. Please also rate LeBron and review James. LeBron James and Lonzo Ball. So please rate and review us on iTunes because we are Trinidad and Tobago's Lakers podcast. Take that, Jay Moore. Take that, America's Lakers podcast. Uh, fun fact, I was born in Trinidad and Tobago. That's a story for another time. Uh, but lastly, no, I was. I know, that's true. I can show you my birth certificate. Are you serious? Yeah, so we better be Trinidad oh, and Tobago's crazy. Lakers podcast. <laughs> um, also, patreon.com <laughs> slash the Lakers Legacy podcast. Let it rain for the holidays, por favor. All right, Tommy, so we just talked about Brandon Ingram. Um, the Knicks game, he was terrible. He was reckless. He forced a lot of stuff. Uh, Obviously, Brandon Ingram uh, struggles with a lot of length. Porzingis was, you know, a major case in that. I mean, we saw him against Giannis Antetokounmpo and Thon Maker. It was kind of the same thing last night where all of a sudden he, he did, turned yeah. into OC Brandon Ingram and he'd drive it into the lane and just kind of flip up. 
a shot that, you know, it didn't seem like he had very much thought to, and then he'd get blocked or stuffed, and it almost seemed like he was tripping all over himself last night, and I don't really know why Luke Walton gave him 41 minutes, but whatever, you know? Um, but outside <laughs> of that, I think Brandon Ingram this last stretch, not not just because of the game winner in, in Philadelphia, but... He has been very, very solid. He has continued to look like that go-to player we've been asking of him, pretty much averaging, you know, 20 points, five rebounds, three assists, this entire stretch through um, Sixers game, even though he had a bad shooting game, seven for 21. I thought he was still aggressive and decisive elsewhere that it didn't matter. Like I said, he had a clutch mid-range J in the fourth before he drained that game-winning buzzer beater. He also had six assists that yep. game. So he was really setting people up really nicely. And then he obviously had yeah. that ridiculous move on Timothy Luwawu Cabarero on the baseline where he did that hezzy move crossover. And then all of a sudden, crazy and one reverse jam on him. And that was one of those crazy highlight, sick. highlight reels. Yeah. From Brandon Ingram. And then the Charlotte game. So he, he had, he only had 18 points, but he had a couple plays in that Charlotte game that were pretty incredible as well. One of them for me was when he took it right at Dwight Howard, absorbed Dwight Howard's body into his body. Oh, yeah. Um, and then contorted his body and then stretched and extended for the layup. And I think that just shows you how strong he is this year, you know, as opposed to last year, that he's able to take on a guy like Dwight Howard and not completely crumple to the floor and instead be like, oop, I got your mm -hmm. body just like I wanted. And then now I'm going to neatly and cleanly extend my arm for a layup, which is ridiculous. And then he also had another mm -hmm. play where he knifed it into the lane. I think a defender was right on him. And then out of nowhere, he just hammer dunked it on the defender. I was like, what the? He didn't even need like a setup or anything mm -hmm. like that. He just came out of nowhere. So these last few games, this last month, pretty much for Brandon Ingram has been a revelation. We'll give him a pass for last night because that's going to happen from time to time. But most of all, just consistent. Um, is what is the word that I want to use for Brandon Ingram right now. So I've continually been impressed by uh, what he's been doing and how confident he's looked out there. So what have you thought about Brandon Ingram this last stretch? Yeah, I thought he's played great. Like you said, the last game, um, last game being the asterisk there. But I thought overall he's he's uh, he's looked very good. He's looked confident. Like it's not too long ago were you and I and many other people mocking Magic Johnson for saying this guy was going to average 20 points a game this year. And then all of a sudden he goes on like a 15 game stretch where, you know, more than half the season stretch so far where he's averaging like 18 points a game, <laughs> you know, and probably could be averaging more if he just had the green light to shoot it every single time. But he actually, although our team is struggles offensively, he has other guys on the team that can score. Um, so, you know, he doesn't have just like a Devin Booker green light to go out there and shoot it 20, 20, 20, 25 times a game. So he, uh, I thought he, he's looked very good on both ends. I'm, I'm really impressed with his improvement day to day. I'm really impressed with the big leap he's taken, not just from, well, especially from last year, but even on a smaller level, the leaps he takes, um, just from like the first 10 games of the season to the next 10 games of the season to like the next group of 10 games of the season, which we're in right now. Um, he, uh, he looks really good. And frankly, early this season, like in the first 10 games, I thought, okay, maybe this guy will develop into like a best case scenario, like a Nick Batum type of guy who 
can maybe inconsistently hit you some open mid-range, just you know, some open shots, um, and then play defense and play make a little bit and kind of be like a versatile guy. I went from that to being like, no, 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 this guy is 20 years old and he has already improved this much and he's going to be a star in the league. Um, and I have little doubt about that. Like Brandon Ingram currently weighs about 25 pounds, 25 to maybe, yeah, at least, at least 25 pounds less than, uh, if not 30 pounds less than what he's going to weigh in his prime. And, you know, I think I pr- probably made the analogy, this uh, sort of comparison before on the show, but like last season he would drive into the lane, his body would get knocked and he would fly back like 10 feet. This year he like drives into the lane, his body gets knocked and he flies back like three feet. At some point he's going to be like Giannis in the sense that he is going to use his length and craftiness to get into the lane, jump up initiate the contact, not bounce back at all and finish in the lane. Like, and his jump shot is just going to continue to get more consistent. And I'm sure that's the thing, like this upcoming off season that he'll work on even more is just perfecting stopping on the dime and hitting that mid range jumper, which we've seen guys improve on. Like Jordan Clarkson is one guy on our team who was a second round pick who has market like me made huge improvements in, in terms of being able to stop on a dime and hit a mm-hmm. uh, jump shot. So that's something I have no doubts that BI will continue to do. And I guess like to get back to your original question, I'm just like excited. General feeling is excitement with how yeah. he's looked um, the last several weeks because he is 20 years old. He is going to grow exponentially these next two to three years. And it's, I'm just really excited to see what he's going to become. Yeah. And I guess if you look at his, month of December statistically you'd actually see a dip in his shooting percentage a rise in his turnovers he definitely needs to work on the turnovers part I know he's been play play making a little more but he needs to cut down the turnovers for sure Mm -hmm. he's only shooting 37 percent in the month of December he is averaging 16.4 points 6.6 rebounds 3.4 assists but I just see a market markedly different Brandon Ingram in terms of aggression and focus throughout the game and like you said in two, three years, maybe even less than that, he's going to be initiating the contact. And I just even look at yeah. that Dwight Howard play where he initiated the contact. And I mentioned it on Twitter, but I, yeah. I'd i imagine in two years that becomes a dunk instead of a contorting layup, you know, where he just jams it on Dwight Howard. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, he's already strong enough even in his build yeah. right now to take it. So you can just see the progressive strides already there. It's not hard to see. But yeah, so I mean, Brandon Ingram, I think he's even when he's having these off nights where he's turning the ball over or shooting pretty poorly, I think he's going back to how Luke always wanted him to be at the start in terms of being a productive player in spite of the fact that your shot may have failed you, right? And so he's finding other ways to be productive. He's engaged in the game still. He's still being aggressive, still knifing down the lane. And then these days, I mean, even the Knicks game, right? He had a bunch of turnovers, was reckless, but he had some pretty nice setups for his teammates. And he had a couple plays where his teammates just didn't finish off of some good passes that he'd make. So... Even there, I think Brandon Ingram is making a concerted effort to just be engaged in all levels of the game. Obviously, defensively, he's always engaged and he's been very solid on that end. So, yeah, I'm very excited about Brandon Ingram and how fast he's learning, even just in this first half of this season alone. Um, So with that said, let's transition to Lonzo Ball. 
So obviously the flashy stats won't always be there, especially when it comes to, (laughs) especially when it comes to the points, but let's take it back to the Sixers game. Well, first in this three game stretch, Lonzo Ball in this road trip has 23 assists and only three turnovers, which is pretty incredible, right? Taking it back to the Sixers game, solid all-around game versus the Sixers. He had 10 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 0 turnovers, 3 steals, 4 blocks. He was very active on defense, was swatting balls away, swatting balls loose. Obviously, he was integral to that Brandon Ingram setup at the end there. Uh, He played the game, yeah, very solidly throughout. Um, the Charlotte game, yes, he didn't play the fourth quarter. Luke made the right decision playing the hot hand in Jordan Clarkson. But before that, I mean, five points, five rebounds, but nine assists and only two turnovers had one block. Against the New York Knicks, that was, that was, I think, the closest game that we've had to Lonzo Ball mimicking what he did against the Suns, right? Where all of a sudden we're like, who is this guy? Yeah. And why isn't he doing this all the time? And who knew he could be an offensive force? Because... He had 17 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, only 1 turnover, 2 steals, 1 block, 3 of 6 from downtown. But it was that one stretch in the third quarter in particular that I think ev- that had everybody's eyes wide open where he, I think, through maybe 4 or 5 possessions, either scored the ball or assisted on, on a 3-pointer or a big play for his teammates. Um, I think he had the crazy alley one-handed dunk from KCP is kind of congested in there with Larry Nance also trailing the play. And then right after that, he had a knife into the lane against Ennis Cantor with his like signature scoop-de-doo lefty layup. I think he hit a three-pointer and then he pitched it out to Brooke Lopez for a three. I mean, it was such a back and forth kind of sequence, but in everything, he was so involved. And when he gets on these kind of mini hot streaks, so to say, he almost looks like he's on steroids, right? Like he's an energizer bunny and you can't stop him. And it's so it's insane. It's peculiar. It I, it doesn't really make sense. I don't know if it's just one of those things that happens once in a while, but hopefully it well, just becomes a more consistent part of his game. But yeah, what have you thought about Lonzo Ball? I thought he has looked phenomenal. And I think that like Lonzo has taken so much criticism. Let's Let's look at the facts here. Lonzo overall... And I'm talking offensively, overall impact. I know his shooting numbers are horrendous. Okay, there's no denying that. Although there is, at some point, we're going to start to see an upward trend. And in fact, in the last five games, included in the last five games, he had one game where he went 0 for 4. And despite that, he's shooting 40% in the last five games uh, from the field. So there's going to be an upward trend. I think he will end as shooting-wise in the 35 to 40% range overall. I think he'll end in the um, low 30% range from three point, uh, like maybe 29, 30%. So overall, very close to what we predicted at the beginning of the season, um, despite the poor start and despite the, you know, like one, many one for 11 type games. um, Lonzo ball overall on both ends of the court is having, in my opinion, a significantly better season than like, any of our last, you know, high picks that we've had in the, in this last several years, um, better than Randall's rookie season. I think bad, better than D'Angelo's rookie season. I, and I think better than Brandon Ingram's rookie season. So I think overall he's playing very well. I think that Nick's flash of like, you know, whatever that three minute stretch where he was just coming down and he had the, like you said, the lob, he had the, he had the three when the guy went under the screen 
He had the, you know, crafty layup in the lane. He's mixed in between there. He had an assist to Brooke Lopez for a wide open three. Um, he was making defensive plays. He was showing his athleticism. He was like showing off to the crowd a little bit. Like, yeah. I think this is the guy we drafted and this is the guy that we should get used to enjoying for the foreseeable future because one day this is just going to become like commonplace. Um, I think this guy is supremely skilled and has a lot, a lot, a lot to work on, but I'm just talking about like inherent skills. I think he's way above where most people his age are. And I think he, his competitiveness and intelligence are going to push him to the next level. Um, and I'm just, I'm very, very excited. I, I, I didn't watch a ton of UCLA games, but to the extent I did see UCLA games, um, last year, Lonzo tended, uh, to score like this. Like he would spend a lot of the game, you know, pushing the pace, keeping the, the pace high, getting his teammates involved and his scoring would come in bursts where it's like, Oh, Lonzo Ball having kind of a quiet game. We're in the third quarter and he's only got four points. And then all of a sudden, three minutes later, Lonzo Ball has 15 points because he just scored 11 points in, in three minutes. So I think it, that kind of thing is, is, uh, going to be more common for him, especially as we close out the year. I don't think he's going to have games where, because, and, but the, Part of that is just by virtue of he is a true point guard. He's not James Harden. He's not uh, DeMar DeRozan. He's not going to be a guy who's going to – you're going to throw him the ball every time and he's going to go get you a bucket. He's going to take it as it comes and for him it's going to come when he starts to feel hot. And when he could be – because when he starts to feel hot, he can start bombing those long shots. And once he starts draining those long shots, it's going to open up lanes for him to attack the defense. So – and that's going to come in bursts until teams adjust. Um, so I think that, that, uh, that, that, uh, what we saw against the Knicks for that very exciting couple minute stretch there is, is I think what we can expect to see from him moving forward, um, into the, into the new year and definitely, um, beyond the new year, like past the all-star break. I think stuff like that is going to become fairly commonplace and it's going to be very exciting. And to your point, we kind of saw that same flurry against the Golden State Warriors as well. So I think he's slowly going to continue to put things together and be more confident with that shot. And yeah, very exciting things to come for for uh, Lonzo Ball. I mean, even in the Charlotte game, right, when he only had five points, I mean, those nine assists early on, he was really pushing the tempo, really getting it out, making Dwight Howard look stupid for flexing on alley-oop dunks because on the other end, oops, there's Larry Nance with a dunk from a Lonzo Ball outlet pass. I mean, his ability to just push the pace and push it down defense's throats and the other team is... uh, has been a revelation for the Lakers, even when he hasn't been scoring like a D'Angelo Russell type. So very exciting stuff from both Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, the franchise cornerstones. But like I said, two other guys, Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson, who I guess used to be maybe franchise cornerstones in, in Lakers fans' eyes and may, maybe have taken a back seat these past few years, have come into the fray again recently, and they've pretty much played their best basketball of their NBA careers, I think. And so with that, we're going to talk about their place with the Lakers moving forward, where that puts them on the likely to be traded stance they were in entering this season. And yeah, we're going to talk about the Lakers cap situation once again. So we're going to get to that right after the turn. But before we do that, we're going to pitch it over to our sponsors. So uh, we will catch you guys in a second. 
Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, here to talk about keeps. So, there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this, you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it, and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair, and you shoot it over, and a licensed physician will review the information and recommend the right treatment to you, and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, uh, plus, now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So, come on. What are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. All right, so we're back, and we are talking about the Lakers' cap situation in 2018-19. We're talking about Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson playing the best basketball of their lives and what that means for the Lakers because, Tommy, I think this is, I don't know, I guess this is the situation we wanted to be in where their value has never been higher, but obviously that puts us in a weird situation where they're so their value is so high that now we're kind of like, oh, man. We kind of want to keep these guys, but knowing the plan that we set yeah, forth, do we we, want to trade them? I don't know. But now we have to look back on the hmm. plan that Palinka Majinka set forth when they traded D'Angelo Russell. Look at that sure. and say, do we continue that plan full force, or do we do like a, you know, a mishmash version of that plan? But before we get to that, we've got some news. LeBron James bought another mansion in Los Angeles. It was $23 million. I don't know if that set price is... LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron James. Do you think it's $23 million because that's his number? And he was. And maybe it was like $21 million and LeBron was like, let's just make it 23 oh, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't put it past him to be like, let's just, just make it 23 like, in the, that, That's true. That's actually really funny. I never thought about that. But the, uh, the area in Brentwood, because I don't live that far from there, is... Um, very, very nice. Extremely expensive. Uh, it would not shock me if that's how much his house actually costs. Uh, it, like, that's how much it was listed for. Um, and uh, all I'm saying is there are places in the world that you buy a house to make, like, an investment. You, I don't think people are buying houses in Brentwood, like, up in the hills, buried in Brentwood to make an investment. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. feel like you buy that kind of house with the intention of of living in it. I, 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 I just don't, I just don't see somebody spending $23 million speculatively on a house when you already have a house in the area. You know what I mean? Yeah. And two, ha- yeah, exactly. Two houses, no less. And even if it's like, you could say, maybe it's a house he's going to live in after his NBA career. Well, you know, at least one thing, he's going to be staking his claim in Los Angeles. So, ah. Anyways, besides that, we've heard some rumors about LeBron James wanting his Rich Paul's clients, other clients, Nerlens Noel on the team. I don't know how true that is. I just heard that maybe there's something going on. With Wait, Noel. why did you hear that? <laughs> there's been a report about um, LeBron James and Nerlens Noel teaming up just because Noel is also a Rich Paul client. But, you know, it, it's whatever's. 
That would be hilarious. <laughs> it would be hilarious. And also, Nerlens Noel is not playing at all for the Mavs. He's on a qualifying offer and going to be an unrestricted free agent. He turned down, I think, 16 to... I think he turned down 16 to 18 million a year for four years from the Mavs. So we'll see. Um, but given that, like I said, uh, Julius Randle has been playing amazing defense this entire year. He is the Lakers' best defender. You saw it against Joel Embiid. Um, that last play with Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball could not have happened if Julius Randle hadn't held his ground against Embiid. Last night, he played pretty good defense against Kristaps Porzingis. Cal Kuzma also played pretty solid defense against Kuz- I mean, against Porzingis. But yeah, Julius Randle has been a revelation this year. He has t- toned down the dribbling escapades and just settled into becoming not only the Lakers' best defender, but the Lakers' best role player off the pick and roll. This is amazing. What is going on yeah, right now? It's amazing. It's so dumb. I don't I don't understand. I mean, these are pretty much the the main things we have been complaining about regarding Julius Randle our entire Lakers podcasting careers and in one summer Julius Randle has changed everything. He's pretty much Draymond Green obviously without the three-point shooting and the prolific playmaking but outside of that he's playing defense like Draymond Green and he's doing like all the little things like Draymond Green and just rolling and hitting these tough shots and then also bullying his body into people but in a productive manner that we've never seen before so Julius Randle trade value has never been higher Jordan Clarkson I mean against the Charlotte Hornets I mean he was the reason why the Lakers ended up making that a convincing win in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, he, it was the Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle two-man game, pick-and-roll game, that really decimated the the Hornets, that uh, they kept picking on Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard couldn't do anything about it. Um, Jordan Clarkson is, the, I think, on a permanent basis, probably one of the best players in the NBA this season. He's averaging 15-3-3, but only in... 22 minutes like per 36 he's averaging 24 points five rebounds five assists um this guy's shooting percentages are amazing 48 percent from the field 37 percent from the from three so these two guys their value has never been higher but because of that they were also two guys that we had pegged before the season began as two guys that were likely to be traded because of the two max superstar plan that we want to implement so with that said I'm just going to lay out quickly our cap space situation, then I'll ask Tommy some questions. Um, the projected salary cap for the 2018-19 season is $102 million. Once again, the space needed for LeBron James and Paul George is going to be around $66 million. Now, if it's just Paul George and another guy like DeMarcus Cousins, maybe it'll be more around $60 to $62 million because they don't get paid as much as LeBron James does. But if you want LeBron James and Paul George, it's going to be $66 million. Um, now, Tommy, there's a scenario where everybody knows you can stretch Luau Deng. He has $36 million left after this year. And the stretch provision is pretty much you take that remaining amount and you divide it by how many years they have left times two plus one. So in Deng's case, that would be $36 million divided by five. And that would be the number that stays on your cap. And for Dang, it would be $7 million. So you save around $11 million by stretching him. But there's another thing that came up with, I think Eric Pincus found a loop, not really a loophole, but there's nothing that says you can't do this plan. So what is the 
the extend and stretch plan that Eric Pincus is advocating, if you could explain it. Yeah, so Pincus had a good article about this. Um, I don't know when it was at this point. It was a while ago. But so you, the people can look into it if they want more information. But the basic idea is, uh, like you said, when you when you stretch somebody, you take the time remaining on their contract, multiply it by two, and add one. And that's how many years their contract gets, quote unquote, stretched over. So it's the same guaranteed money that they're owed stretched over this increased number of years. So one idea that Pincus had, which actually works under the CBA rules is what that, 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 uh, stretch provision is just, it's just based on how many years are left and there's no rules regarding, or there are limited rules regarding what kinds of extensions you can give guys and that the stretch is based on your guaranteed money. So Pincus's idea was, okay, sign Luol Deng to a three-year extension. However, make the guaranteed dollars zero or some small amount if you need to like bait him to, or, you know, you need to give him some incentive to signing. So if Luol Deng signs a three-year extension, then after this season, he will have five years left instead of two. If he has five years left, that means his remaining salary gets stretched over 11 years instead of getting stretched over five years. So the denominator in that equation that you had becomes 11. So, you know, 36 divided by 11 is three point something, 3.3 or something like that, right? Or 39 because you add the extra million. Yeah. So if you give him the extra money, if you give him like a small amount of that guaranteed, um, and then most of it non-guaranteed, then, then yeah. So it'll be, you know, let's say like 39 divided by 11 is what his cap hit will be. So that will save us like a significant chunk of money. Yeah. On the one hand, you can say, okay, we have like 3.8 or 3.9 tied up to Luol Dang for the next 11 years, which look on paper, that sound or like superficially, that sounds completely absurd. And, and I think that there's like a reasonable argument for like a snap judgment reaction to that to be like, okay, in 2028, I don't want to be paying Lou Alding <laughs> 3.8 million. You know what I mean? Which is fair. But on the flip side, it's like, if you're going to be a competitor, you're going to be at or near the cap anyway. 3.8 million currently represents like barely over 3% of the cap. And the cap is just going to keep going up. You know, especially as the NBA continues to grow and revenues continue to increase, maybe we won't see as big of a jump as we did from like 60 million to 100 million, like again, but it's going to steadily grow. It, it has always done that and it will continue to do that. Um, so it like at worst, it's it, you're, you're talking about committing like three and a half to, four, you know, maybe 4% of the cap, but that percentage that you're committing is just going to keep going down. So in 2027, the cap is going to be like, you know, 150 million. I'm obviously I'm making this up. I don't have like a projection chart or something, but let's say it's like 150 million by that point. And that number looks even less significant than we think it, it than we think it is right now, because um, you're stretching it over such a long period of time. So, and and that gives us the huge benefit of having that much more cap space. You know, you said in your example, we would be paying um, if we stretch him over five years, we'd be paying him a little bit over seven million a year because I think he has thirty six million left. But if we stretch him over uh, eleven years. 
even if we give him like a small amount guaranteed in his quote unquote extension, we will be saving per year for at least for purposes of summer 2018, which at this point is what we're most concerned about $4 million, which that might not, not again, superficially that might not seem like a big deal, but that could be the difference between keeping a guy like Randall or keeping a guy like Clarkson while still being able to pursue the, uh, the multiple max uh, plan. Right. So the Lakers are working under very tight books here, regardless of even if Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson are not on the team. So that's how tight it is. I guess not to get too too deep into the thick of things. To put it simply, the dang stretch plan, the normal stretch plan, saves the Lakers $11 million. The extended stretch plan will save the Lakers 3 or $4 million on top of that $11 million. Um, so that just gives the Lakers another option to use in a break in case of emergency scenario that they need to use it in. I've broken down a couple scenarios. So if the Lakers just stretch Dang as normal, as usual, um, and everyone is retained, including Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson, except for Brooke Lopez and KCP, which was always going to be the case, the Lakers will have $53.7 million committed plus $2.5 million in cap holds. That's the empty cap holds that are there at 800k per empty slot. So that's 56 million committed to the 2018-19 Lakers with Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson on board and Luau Deng stretched. So sorry that sorry just to interrupt you. Yeah. Does that does that include Julius Randle's cap hold? Is that what you meant by yes, Julius Randle? Julius Randle's cap hold. Yeah. Okay, Julius perfect. Randle's cap hold will be 12.4 million. So 56 committed and only 46 million to spend. Now, obviously, there's a problem because we need 66 million. So with 46 million, you may need to do the LeBron James, Nerlens Noel team up because LeBron James is going to take 35 million. And I don't know, maybe Noel takes 11. I'm pretty pretty down for this, actually. Sure. I'm down (laughs) for it. I've never heard of this LeBron and weird, (laughs) this weird LeBron Noel thing. But like, look, if we are going to get LeBron, theoretically, we could start LeBron at the four. That could be your stretch four next to Noel out the five, and then you have Ingram at the three, and I don't know who would play the two. Maybe Josh Hart. At the, we're going to have no money left. <laughs> so, like, maybe Josh Hart, and then Lonzo is your one. Right. I, I think it's it's tricky because Noel did turn down $18 million for four, but given his how his season has gone, maybe his agent and LeBron convince him to take less money and play for the Lakers for one year because it's going to give him better exposure. He's going to actually start and they're going to be a good exactly. team. So who knows? Um, okay. So that's, that's the scenario we're working with. If we keep Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle and, and aren't not able to take Luau Deng off our books by just trading him away for an expiring and we have to stretch him. So yeah, given that, Obviously, we're going to need to do more around that. So obviously, people are saying, okay, I want Julius Randle. If, if there's two guys we keep out of the two, it would be Julius Randle first and then Jordan Clarkson, right? In all likelihood, we are going to at least need to get rid of Jordan Clarkson's 12.4 or 12 million for an expiring. So if you, if we are able to somehow trade Jordan Clarkson away for an expiring contract, either by the trade deadline or during the summer, then that would leave us with only 44.4 million commitments after a simple dang stretch. So then that gives us 57.6 million to spend. 60 million if you do the extended stretch plan for dang. So that's still about, what, 6 million short of the 66 million needed for Paul George and LeBron James. But it's much more manageable, right? Yeah. 60 million. And then maybe yeah. you get LeBron to only take 30 and then Paul George takes 30. 
Or let's say LeBron doesn't come at all. Maybe you get Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins to come on, or Paul George or DeAndre to both split that $60 million for 30-30, and then it makes more sense. But I guess what I'm trying to paint mm-hmm. here is... As much as we want Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle to be on this team, the scenario where they're both on this team and we have to stretch Dang, you're pretty much going to have to bank on LeBron James and Nerlens Noel. And that's a pretty tight window to rest your hopes in. So given that, as much as I want to keep Jordan Clarkson, I think the Lakers are going to have to trade him at some point. And I think they're going to have to do it yep. before the trade deadline. And I say that because, yes, we I can so ride too. this season out. But during the summer, you're going to trade him for nothing, pretty much, because you just have to get him off your team, right? And at that point, other teams may be like, well, I don't want to help the Lakers get LeBron James. It's okay. I don't need Jordan Clarkson. But if you trade Jordan Clarkson right now, who's one of the best six men in the league, I think before this season, our thoughts were like, we can just trade Jordan Clarkson for an expiring and a second rounder, rounder, and that's probably good, right? Right now, I think Jordan Clarkson's value is so high that we can probably get a like a late first rounder for him on top of a, an expiring, insane. right? Yeah, because if you look at the Lou Will trade that we were able to pull off last year, yeah, we got a first rounder for that, right? I mean, Jordan Clarkson's much better in terms of potential and youth than Lou Williams is, and you have him for another year at $12 million, and if you can get like a first round pick... I don't care if it's in the 25 to 28 range again. The Lakers always do well with those picks anyways. Get one of those. Get an expiring. I think you have to do it. And it sucks for me to say that because Jordan Clarkson's almost the perfect like handcuff to Lonzo Ball because he he scores. He's able to create on his own. He's done a much better job playmaking and being efficient. But at the end of the day, it's the long-term play here, right? And we, I think we have to make a trade like that if we can get a first-round pick now. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, and what I was going to add to that, too, is if you can get a first-round pick, you definitely do it uh, for a variety of reasons. And I think the big one is once you, if you were able to get rid of Clarkson for a pick, you were just adding that extra asset in your back pocket that you can then, at the end of the season, or if you get lucky at the trade deadline, but most likely at the end of the season, use that to um, trade Luol Dang. Like it's going to take more than one pick. Sadly, more than one first round pick um, to be able to dump Luol Dang. And if you were able to get a pick in the 2018 draft, which like we don't have a pick. So I know none of us are following it super closely, but it's supposed to be way more stacked than last year. And last year was a pretty stacked draft. Um, so if you're able to get a 2018 first rounder, even if it's late, that pick is going to carry so much value that like some team out there that's rebuilding will be willing to take two first round picks, like a 2018 plus a future first round pick in order to get Dang, just so they can like stretch Dang themselves. You know what I mean? If you're going to be a lot of rebuilding team, you may, you, you know, chances are you probably don't care if for the next five years you have to pay Luol Dang seven million. Like seven million's a drop in the bucket, considering your entire team is going to be paid like seven million or less, because you're not going to have any stars because you're rebuilding, right? So, yeah. so I think for that's like another reason you have to do it. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like you said, and I think this was another really good point that you made that can't be overlooked is. Jordan Clarkson's value will never be higher for for the Lakers than it will be right before the trade deadline. Because if we have to trade him, like, 
in a lot of cases with guys like this, and this was one criticism that the Lakers got for from some people in the media that I read, maybe mostly people on Twitter for how they handled the Lou Williams thing, because a lot of people say that value of these types of six men players um, tends to go up after free agency is over because teams have spent their money and they're looking for ways to add supporting players, but they have no cap space. Um, you could make the argument that in a, in a vacuum, it would make more sense if we really wanted to get rid of Clarkson for some reason, long-term unrelated to this uh, two max plan. You could make the argument that he would have most value like right after the main free agents are signed um, in free agency. That's when he would have the most value for a trade because he has talent and his salary is right in that right range of like, you can get yourself involved in a sign in trade with somebody else. You know, you could, you could get involved in a trade with a, a contender who's looking to dump somebody for a more, a, a support player, you know, whatever. Um, but because the Lakers are in the situation they're in, in that, if it comes down to the summer and we are trying to move Jordan Clarkson, it's going to be because we are chasing one or two maxes and no one's going to want to help us at that point. Like you said, so you might as well just knock it out now. Like you said, some team, we got a late first for Lou Williams, who's was much older, uh, is, is known as being much more of a black hole is undersized for his position. Like, Clark Clarkson is by no means an elite defender, but he's average. And I'd consider, especially this year, and I'd consider Lou Williams a well below average uh, defender. Yeah. Um, and, you know, is efficient, is on a reasonable contract, is young, has energy, can start or come off the bench. Like, this guy should be able to get you a late first round and an expiring. Like, Lou Williams, it, he required, he got you a late first round. He required you to take back a two years remaining, but... It didn't really – at this time, we would have to hold out for an expiring as well, um, and I think we would definitely be able to get it because some team out there has $10 million rotting on their bench that they can throw to us with an expiring contract. So, I mean, with a first-round pick. Totally agree. So the fact that Jordan Clarkson has raised his level to this point where we can not only just dump him for nothing, but actually get assets in return is pretty incredible. So now let's turn our sights to Julius Randle, who – I mean, at, at a certain point, too, we were just hoping for a first-round pick from this guy. But I think he has raised his value so much that not only do we want more than a first-round pick or more than just a Luau Dang salary dump like we did with D'Angelo Russell, we may actually want to keep this guy because he's currently in the yeah. role that he would be in if LeBron James and Paul George came in, which is a backup center, which is incredible. And the yeah. fact that he can play backup center, I think adds more utility for teams that may want him as well. And so I pose this question to mm -hmm. you now. Could one of the Lakers' strategies in waiting out the trade market for Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson in terms of maybe they don't make a trade in December or January, but make it right before the All-Star break or something like that, do you think that they could be seeing what the market looks like with regards to the disgruntled superstar? Because there are actually... A lot of them right now. Um, DeAndre Jordan, DeMarcus Cousins, Paul George, obviously. The Oklahoma City Thunder are not in the playoffs currently, and they are floundering. And Paul George is not having a good time with uh, Hoodie Mello and Russell Westbrook. Um, on a lower end, <laughs> Marcus Gasol. 
But there, there are a number of guys right now who teams have to make a decision on. DeMarcus Cousins is going to be a free agent next year. DeAndre Jordan has a player option. Paul George is obviously going to be a free agent. So in that case, I do think that Randall has raised his trade value to the point where, yeah, we would only want a star back in return. But what do you think about the scenario if the Lakers can get Paul George in now? That they just do Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle for Paul George, or Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle for DeAndre Jordan, or Demarcus Cousins. What do you think about those scenarios and and getting this um, this Lakers team rolling to enter summer two thousand eighteen nineteen, and then all they have to do is get LeBron James on board? So I think it's it's very possible, and and it's it's going to be interesting, and I think that's why it's fluid, and I can't say for sure. Like okay. They're definitely going to keep Randall. They're de- they're definitely going to trade Clarkson. Like you can't say that because, like you said, if somebody comes to you and it says, "Okay, well, we'll give you Clarkson. If you give us Clarkson and Randall, we will give you Demarcus Cousins." You're not going to say no to that, you know. So I think it's fluid. I I don't think that despite how good Clarkson and Randall have looked, I don't think either of them are in a position to necessarily. Neither of them are Brandon Ingram in the sense that. They've both been in the league long enough to where we know that, okay, these guys are not going to be, these guys might be arguably elite support players as they move deeper into their career. But like, these guys are not, you know, potential all-stars or potential like 20 point per game starting type, like second best player on your, on a winning team type players. You know what I mean? Like they're very, very good support players. Um, but uh, yeah, I just don't think they have that kind of value. So I don't know if we'll be in that situation, but to go with your hypo, I mean, I think your hypothetical is well taken and that if it happens, it's going to be a really interesting dilemma. I just, I don't personally see it happening. Yeah. I would say though, the Clippers have to, I mean, the Clippers are already pretty much putting DeAndre on the trade block, right? Or that's what I've heard. I mean, there are a number of teams that yeah, are interested have in to him. Do something. Yeah. And Julius Randle, because he can play center now. I feel like that would be a perfect fit for them. You know, they, they can retain Julius Randle's bird rights. They can extend him after restricted free agency. And now you've got this behemoth of a player that can play multiple positions. So, I mean, that's, that's how highly we think of Julius at this point. Um, there is one other aspect to Julius Randle's, uh, cap hold in this summer that, you know, may or may not happen. I just don't think it's going to happen, but pretty much what Nerlens Noel did this past year where he took the qualifying offer because took the qualifying offer of like 4.4 million turned down the Ma- the Mavs 18 million per 4 years to play this season out in four under 4 million dollar contract to become an unrestricted free agent this summer. I mean it hasn't gone well for him obviously. In theory Julius Randle could do that same thing and Julius Randle's qualifying offer if he took it instead of taking a uh a Lakers offer would be $5.5 million. So Tommy, I don't know if you wanted to talk about that really quickly and whether you think that's likely, I mean, that would save the Lakers, I don't know, like seven, $7 million in cap space, but they would have to work it out with him where they say, Hey, play for the qualifying offer. LeBron James is coming. We need extra money. So we need that extra $7 million. Please take the qualifying offer. We'll extend you after this year and pay you more afterwards. But yeah, I feel like it's too much of a risk for Julius Randle, given how well he's played. And even though he's going to be playing with LeBron James, one injury for me changes everything, you know? So your thoughts on the qualifying offer? 
for me, the main idea here is that I think Julius Randle, for all the reasons you just described, is there's a good enough chance that we could keep him that we shouldn't trade him. And the reason I say that is, like, you keep bringing up Nolan's Noel, which I think is a really good uh, comparison here, because I think what's ultimately going to happen is, let's say day one of free agency, both of these two stars uh, that, you know, whoever they end up being agree to sign with us. And we know we need X dollars of cap space and we see a path to get there, you know, which would be basically, let's say the path is renouncing Julius Randall, but we've given him, we've given him the qualifying offer before free agency started making him a restricted free agent. At that point, you can just bide your time, right? Because Randall can go, well, whatever you let him go test the market. If he finds an absurd deal and he's not willing to give in to your plan of, hey, take the qualifying offer, even if you give him like a wink-wink or like gentleman's agreement, like take the qualifying offer and next year we will extend you because we can go over the cap and we will sign you to a 40-year, $60 million deal or something if you stay next year or even higher, you know, four-year, 72, like what Tristan Thompson got, I think. LeBron got Tristan Thompson. Um, you know, maybe we'll get you something in that range if you if you just take the qualifying offer for one year. Um. Uh, I just, yeah, there's there, to me, there's a good enough, there's a good enough chance that, um, we can get him to agree to something like that. And he's going to go, he's going to go test the market and he's going to see like, okay, I'm not getting the types of deals I want. So maybe I will just take, take the Lakers up on this. And worst case scenario next year, I'm an unrestricted free agent. Unrestricted free agents have more value because you don't tie up a team's cap space for, two to three days or whatever it is now while that team could use that cap space to go chase other free agents. So um, there is definitely a scenario where that can happen. And it all just depends on how risk, how much of a risk Randall's willing to take, how much he wants to potentially stay in LA and uh, how dry the market is for guys like Randall, who although have shown a lot of promise, maybe a team is not like, ready to put a qualifying offer out there that is going to hold up, you know, like $72 million over the next four years on their books um, for a guy of Randall's tier. Yeah. My only worry would be, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a $17 million offer, right? That could derail our plans. It could be like a $15 million over four years offer. And we're like, Oh shoot, do we match this? You know? So then it becomes super tricky at that point. If Randall accepts a deal like that, but even at the, yeah, but and then my counter to that would be at the four years, uh, sixty million dollar point. You're absolutely right that on on paper we cannot compete with that. So at this point, let's even have the conversation. But um, at that point, I think you can start making the argument to Randall that like, hey, look, four years, sixty, we cannot match now. You can take the qualifying offer, and we will give you four years, sixty next year. I, again, the risk for Randall is always going to be like okay, what if I, you know, get injured or there's a reason guys tend to take like the guaranteed money and why doing what Nerland's Noel did, for example, is so risky. Um, But that being said, I I, I think it's enough of a chance. You have enough of a chance that it's worth just keeping them and just, and let, and seeing how things fall and, and then making the decision later, worst case scenario, you lose them for nothing. And to me, it's worth the risk. Sure. At the end of the day, what we're saying is 
Julius Randle has become so valuable that I think the Lakers will do everything in their power, barring a Paul George or DeMarcus Cousins or DeAndre Jordan trade to keep Julius Randle. And unfortunately, Jordan Clarkson will not be part of that plan unless LeBron James is able to tell Nerlens Noel, hey, come over to LA for one year, $11 million, or maybe I'll take $30 million and you can take 16 and we'll work it out that way since they both have the same agent. I mean, that's possible, but I mean, right. it's not likely. And you don't want to go into the summer having, having those hopes and having Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle both there locked up. So... um with that said, I think that'll do it. I Sorry if that was a little bit confusing, but the main takeaway that you should get here is that Lakers will probably do everything in their power to keep Julius Randle at this point, which I think should give you guys some comfort. And there are several different ways they can go about that in spite of the fact that his cap hold of $12.4 million was originally a pretty big obstacle that we didn't think we could overcome. But given how well he's played, they will probably keep that cap hold for as long as they can. Um, try and convince LeBron James or whoever else to come in. And then from there, you know, some guys will have to take a slight pay cut, but we'll see. I mean, this, this Lakers core is, is meshing really well right now. They're showing a lot of promise. Um, so if you're LeBron James or Paul George, I don't think you'd want to mess with something like that if it's within your power to, you know, come into this team and just slot yourself in and become the closer or the go-to guy that this team you know, desperately needs, even even in spite of the fact that Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma are kind of slowly rounding into that type of form. So, um, yeah, so that's the Lakers cap situation. Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, it's a great problem to have for the Lakers, the fact that their value has never been higher. Some trades and moves are definitely going to be made, though, and I will be surprised if they aren't by the trade deadline. It'll be very interesting to see what happens again the numbers to look for 66 million for lebron james and paul george maybe 60 million if you think they're going to take a pay cut or you think you're getting paul george and demarcus cousins um dang will likely be stretched i don't see any way that we're able to trade him for nothing unless you're using julius randall which again i don't think the lakers will do so luau dang stretch gonna save you 11 million um, Jordan Clarkson's gonna save you 12 million once we get that ex- an expiring in return for him in a first round pick. And then, depending on whether or not Julius Randle wants to take the risk and maybe take his qualifying offer of 5.5 million, then that saves you another 7 million from his 12.4 cap hold. So I know that's a lot of numbers and it's probably swirling around in your head. But just know that the Lakers still have to make some tough decisions, some tight decisions, but they actually have really nice assets to work with that it shouldn't be such a tough sell either respect or avenue that they end up going. So LeBron James is tomorrow. LeBron James or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. LeBron uh, James. <laughs> um, he's probably going to say a lot of glowing things about Lonzo Ball, which he has already been doing, going so far as to say a lot of guys would love to play with that guy. Hey, So... Um, it's looking good for the Lakers right now, regardless of their record. A, indeed. So with that said, thank you guys for listening. We will catch you guys next time. Hey, Tommy, um, do you want to invest in Litcoin? Oh, yes, I do. So if you too would like to invest in Litcoin, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us on iTunes, the first person who reviews will get five 
free litcoins from us. And that will that that will grow in value exponentially in the next year or two, just like our players. All right. I'm losing steam. With that said, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Tommy, I will catch you later. Peace. All right. See you guys. Peace. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.